We're looking at Psalm 58. Was anybody here born in 58? Anybody got married in 58? Anybody start school in 58? I think I did too. You know, when Brother Dan and I started school, there were only 48 stars on the planet. Then they added Alaska. <clears throat> then they said, who will be next? Well, it wasn't long before Hawaii. 58. <clears throat> Let's read it. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do you judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. You weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. Britt could tell you about that, couldn't he? They're like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters, which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces, as a snail which melteth. Let every one of them pass away. Like the untimely birth of a woman, they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. There's one verse that most of us, if not all of us, who have been studying the scriptures a while, really jumps off the page in this psalm. That's the one I want us to focus on. Verse 3. We'll talk a little bit about the career of the natural man. When somebody gives a summary of their career, they go back to the beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. The wicked are estranged from the womb. That's the starting place. When do we count the beginning of life? Well, I understand in the Chinese culture and possibly in others, on your third month anniversary, they say happy birthday because you've been alive because they recognize that birth is just the time when the child is separated from the mother. But I'm satisfied the Bible teaches when that child is conceived, that child is a being. A little boy or a little girl. And we can't 
go soft on that if we're going to be true to the Word of God. But uh, from the womb, they're estranged. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. We talked about false notions about depravity this morning, but the Bible talks a lot about depravity. There was a man in public education years ago. His name was Horace Mann. And Horace Mann said, <clears throat> in our schools, we need to go and get away from this idea of dividing our people. You know what he meant by that? We don't need to be telling kids in the school. Now some of you are saved and some of you are lost. Because we're really all the same. Don't want to divide people. Don't want to just let folks know we're all really the same. Well, the thing that divides is sin. Sin divides us from God. Sin divides us from our fellow man. Sin makes us to be double-minded, even our own lives and hearts. So when we talk about depravity, we talk about something that affects all of the faculties, all of the feelings. Somebody said if you take a piece of Limburger cheese and put it under your nose, the whole world stinks. Well, spiritually speaking, we've got something. We have a filter that takes in what's going on. And the filter is eager to hear what Satan says. Eager to hear what the world says. Eager to hear what man's natural heart says. If you turn to the Gospel of John, I used to be around some people who said, you people who teach about the problem with man, I'll tell you the problem with man, it's man's will. And that's true, but it's not the whole truth. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 40, ye will not come to me that you might have life. That's true. The natural man will not come to him. Somebody came to Mr. Spurgeon famously and they said, I don't understand why more people don't buy into the gospel. It's as simple as ABC. Spurgeon said, well, see, the problem is they are D-E-F. Spiritually dead. Spiritually deaf. Spiritually blind. They don't Pick up the signal. If you have an AM radio and somebody else puts the signal out on FM, you're not going to hear it. No matter where you dial, you're not going to pick it up. you got to get the right band, the right frequency. There's all kinds of signals going on all around us. I heard of somebody once something was goofy about one of their teeth and they could pick up a radio signal coming out of their tooth when they held their mouth a certain way. I understand that was the seventh grade kid sitting in class and every time they got bored with what the teacher saying, they'd open their mouth and thought this would come. Ye will not come to me that ye might have life. And that's so. 
Man's will. You don't like this stuff. You'd much rather hear about having a good time. You'd rather talk about other things. You can have a big meeting and say, we're going to talk about end times. Everyone's going to hear about the Antichrist or what's going to happen in the future. Of course, we're not going to be involved in it. Or you say, let's have a study about the angels. That doesn't convict anybody. You have a revival where people are told you need to get right with God. And not too many people want to show up for that. Might be I gotta change my ways. My ways of thinking. Better clean out my vocabulary. It's gonna require something of me. Now, something like debating how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. That's my idea of theology, some people would say. Or whether Adam had a belly button or not. Now, those really are critical questions. Because people want to think about what God has said in His Word. They want to observe things to what they think. How they feel. John 5.40 is in the book. Absolutely true, as we read. You will not come to me. Now the part that doesn't get preached in a lot of places, go over to the next chapter. Chapter 6 and verse 45. And this is the one that doesn't get preached on too much in some places. And I think I know why. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. See, men think they can draw people in. Come on back. We're going to have just the right music. And we're going to dim the lights. And we'll make it easy for you. Come on in. Just nod your head. Just repeat after me. We can make it so easy. It's as easy as falling off a log. Of course, it's not about preaching about man's sinfulness and God's holiness. Those things that kind of left out. Instead, we're told Jesus is your good buddy. And if you want to get to heaven, you want to be with grandma when you die, then you need to and they give you a little checklist and check, check, check. Okay, I guess I'm okay. I wonder how many people are deceived in thinking that they're on the right road. A lot of folks take the wrong path. Paul told the Corinthians, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Do I really believe the truth? Am I really walking the way the Lord would have me to? That's a not in the works with a lot of people. So yes, it's true. We are not willing. But it's also true. We are not able. Somebody has said, we find that man does not have the inclination, nor does he have the ability. So, I take this verse, and I see two major thoughts. The first is, when we get off to the beginning, what is man? This one who from the womb it says he's estranged from birth. How did Peter put it in Acts chapter 2? He had the boldness to preach there on the day of Pentecost. And in the 39th verse of Acts 2 he says, For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. When Peter preached that, the truth was known 
just about exclusively to a little sliver of land that we would call Israel today. I don't know that anybody in North or South America or Far East or Northern Europe or much of or any of Africa and certainly Australia or if anybody ever lived there, Antarctica they weren't hearing this and yet it says not just here in this context you and your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall come the as many there the world might call them misfits the left out ones the ones we just conveniently don't think about we talk about missions and if the Lord empowered us to support a hundred missionaries we still couldn't touch every part of the globe but we ought to do all that we can here and we ought to have a word and a wonder at the Lord such that it is contagious. I'm glad we can have messages on sermon audio. I'm glad that we can have an outreach to people, not just us. It's not a question of us four and no more. Maybe someone who's not able for whatever reason to be here with us can still be touched by us, by our words of encouragement, by our thoughts, by our prayers, because no matter where someone else is, God's there too. And He hears the prayers of His people. You know, if you go back to the beginning, the first birth we read is that of Cain. Go with me, please, to Genesis chapter 4. Can a woman be wrong? Well, every once in a while, even a wife could be wrong, can't she? But uh, Adam's wife, she made a big mistake. The fourth chapter of Genesis tells us in the first verse, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. Now here's his little baby, little baby Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And some have rendered this, I have gotten the man. This is the guy who's going to solve our problems. Maybe the promised seed. After all, the promised seed is called the seed of the woman. She gave birth to Cain. It sounds to me like she thought that Cain might be the Messiah. Well, uh, no, not by a country mile. But she had a hope. Cain's nature is revealed later in this chapter. In verses 13 and 14, after he cracked wise with God, what did God say? He told him, you're going to be a fugitive. You're going to be a vagabond. In verse 13 says, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. I can't handle this. You made it too hard for me. You wonder where whining started? Did it start with Cain? Well, it kind of sounds like it started with in the garden. 
When God said something to Adam, well, the woman you gave me, the Lord looked to the woman, the snake that you made, the snake didn't have any fingers, so he couldn't point anywhere. And the Lord dealt with the snake, and the Lord dealt with the woman, and the Lord dealt with the man. Cain continues in verse 14, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive, and a vagabond in the earth. Now remember, Cain's a grown man. You think Adam and Eve had any other children by that time? I kind of think you And it shall come that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. I think some people would, we got Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, and uh, with Cain going up, every man, well, who's going to be him? His daddy? His brother Abel? He says, every man that finds me shall slay me. So that tells me there were more folks out there. Now we can talk about long ago and far away in the distant past, but it still touches us. Every generation, little babies are born and their size might change, their weight might change, their condition of health, physically speaking, that might change, but uh, for maybe 6,000 years or so, I have been born sinners with the exception of the Lord Himself. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's writing here in the New Testament, and he reminds us that before the Lord gave us eyes to see and ears to hear, before the Lord saved us, in the sense that we came to acknowledgement of salvation, because there's a sense in which before the foundation of the world. There's a sense in which the place we call Calvary. But in a very real sense, when you first were able to savingly and faithfully cry, Abba, Father, when you operated by the faith of Jesus Christ actualized in your life. And Paul talks about this here in Ephesians 2. Start at verse 11. Remember, wherefore remember that ye being in time as Gentiles of the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh made by hands, even the Jews looked down their noses at you folks. That at that time you were without Christ. Well, hey, I got my pedigree. I got my ancestry. I got my hero badges, my certification. People don't have them as far as I know, but I know people whose dogs and other pets have their papers. You might have your papers, so to speak. That doesn't mean you're right with God. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. We talk to unsaved people about the promises of God. It's one ear and out the other. They might think that we're deluded. They might make fun of us for talking to our imaginary friend, so they speak about God. That's part of the problem. They don't have a way to process that. All they have is the fleshly mind, the fleshly heart. And so, 
we can preach and teach and witness and except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wake it, but in vain. You and I have no power to convert a soul. But we can preach about the one who can and does save sinners. And that's what we're compelled to do. The time passed without Christ be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers for the covenants of promise. How much hope did you have before you were saved? Oh, you might have thought you had some hope, but you didn't. I didn't. None of us have any hope except in Christ. Christ is our hope. Having no hope and without God in the world. And it'd be terrible if it stopped right there. But now, in Christ Jesus, you sometimes were far off or made not by the blood of Christ. It's not you, it's not mama or daddy or the preacher or the Sunday school teacher or anybody else that brought you close to Christ. It's the Lord Himself. It's His finished work. And so exult in Him. Drop down to verse 17. Came and preached peace to you which were afar off. Remember that expression? Afar off. Afar. You weren't in the picture. You didn't have an understanding. You were on the outside looking and wondering what that's all about. You know, one of the misconceptions people on the other side have about us, they say, oh, those people believe, when they talk about irresistible grace, they believe that the first time you hear the gospel, you'll believe it. If you don't believe, then you never will. I don't know anybody believes that. But some people think we believe that. Because you can be under the preaching of the gospel. You can hear the verses of Christ lifted up and man brought down to the dust. And you can hear it, and you can hear it, and you can hear it, and then one day you hear it. Wow! It's real. That's what excites me. There be yeah yeah I got it I, I learned the doctrine I've been in Sunday school I've been in church I can spit I can quote the verses I know which question it is in the confession blah 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 and they can spit it back just like a parrot parroting truth does not constitute being infused being energized living in the truth. That's what the Christian life was all about. I don't think he was a Christian. But he did give a very good illustrations. Uh, Mark Twain once said, I think some people get drunk sniffing somebody else's cork. They see somebody else excited. I rejoice in the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm kind of happy this Christmas. You know, I get some presents. I'm kind of glad there's Thanksgiving. I get to eat a lot of food. And... Uh, they think only in the terms of the horizontal, the temporal. They don't think in terms of the vertical. They don't think about it in terms of the eternal. Because you could be rich, 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 and you die, and you're just as dead as the poor, 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 anybody else. Came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. And then in verse 19, Now therefore, ye thought about these folks at Ephesus. They were on the outside looking in and wondering, what's all this Christianity stuff? 
These people talking about Jesus. What, what's that guy got to do with me? Everything. Now therefore you know more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. In this country, our Constitution says citizenship is defined thus. There's technically in the United States of America no such thing as a second class citizenship. And we might think that that's the way it's always been everywhere, but it hasn't. In the Roman Empire, there were four levels of citizenship. If you had the Joe Schmo version, you were a citizen, which usually meant you had the privilege of paying taxes for the empire. And if you happen to see a Roman soldier, he represented the authority behind all of that. And the third was a little bit better. The second was a little bit better. But if you lived in Rome, you qualified for first class. It's an upgrade. When we got married in August of 77, we showed up the next day at the airport, and Marcia still had those pretty flowers there. And they said, oh, it's the occasion. We got married last night. Oh, well, in that case, the guy took out his bed. What does that mean? Uh, you're flying first class. And that was nice. It really was. And it wasn't that we'd paid any extra. We hadn't told it until when they saw They asked us. And uh, you can have first class. And you have, then you can have, uh, they call it different things in different settings, but uh, there's a difference between first class and everybody else. Steerage, I think they called it on the Titanic. Important to remember that, but with God, there isn't but one. Fellow citizens with the saints. Every time I beat one of these, I'm a Jewish Christian. Right? I'm an Irish Christian. Well, yeah, but when I said, I'm a Jewish Christian. And that really blows their minds down. Part of the Israel of God. Uh, well, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, Paul said they're not all Israel who are of Israel. And we usually get in an interesting discussion or else they don't have anything to talk about after that. It's usually an all or nothing proposition. But before the Lord saved us, we were on the outside. I don't care if Grandpa was a preacher. I don't care if Mama played the piano and was a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if all your kin folks were Christ-loving people, Christ-serving people. It's an individual thing. It's been wisely said, God has no grandchildren. You're either a son or daughter of God. Or you're not. Well, Dad's a Christian. Mom's a Christian. My brothers and my sisters are Christians. What about you? Well, I just think I'll just kind of schmooze my way in with them. No, it doesn't work that way. Each of us, if we have any hope of heaven, it's not through Mary, it's not through Peter, it's not through the sacraments, it's not through your good intentions, it's only, always, and exactly through Christ. Go back to the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 20. Off to a bad start. You know, if, if the Lord wanted to say so, He could have said, man is not disposed to do the right thing. You could talk that way. Probably won't offend too many people. 
you might say, man is not inclined to do the right thing, or he's not in the habit of doing the right thing. Sometimes people speak euphemistically. They, well, if I say it this way, it won't offend somebody so much. And so people like to kind of soften the blow. Bibles will let God be true and every man a liar. I'm not your friend if I lie to you. Well, the same thing isn't such a bad thing. Like a lady I was telling Marcia about. She says, Steve, I, I don't get it. How come? All the preaching of the gospel and missionaries, and, and they're still killing and, and, and thieving and all kinds of stuff going on. And I, it's a sin thing, you think? Yeah. What the Bible says. Some people just don't connect the dots about the sin thing, if you will. In Proverbs 20, verse 9, it's talking about the man who supposes, I'm set to go. The question is asked rhetorically, who can say, I have made my heart clean? People say, I've turned over a new leaf. I just made up my mind. I'm just not going to do that. When I was reading the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, he said, I'm going to have a self-improvement program. And so it made a, a chart. You know, He had all these vices, and he said, Okay, I'm going to work. I got that one taken care of. A little check by that one. And, and he thought, well, I got the whole thing done. I guess I'll be <clears throat> sitting pretty. But you can't just make up your mind to do the right thing. Who can say I made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. We looked already in Ephesians 2, the first verse. Paul says, Remind you, I must. You have the wicked. He didn't say he taught you something in your head. You figured it out like two times three is six. No! You've been quickened. You've been given life. You were dead to this. You were dead in trespasses and sins. It doesn't say you were uneducated. Doesn't say you were disinclined. Doesn't say say you're hard of hearing. You were dead. You can't get more desperate than to be dead. And this condition continues, or rather, begins long before we're born. David himself said, "Because some people, well, it says the wicked are estranged from the womb." Yeah, that's true. See how Sunday school helps me, brother. Psalm 51, David, the sweet singer of Israel, what did he say in the fifth verse? Behold, I, the man who is favored by the Lord such, the Lord described him as a man after my own heart to do my will. And yet David himself, he was a great believer. He was a great sinner, i.e. Bathsheba and what followed. But he was also a great repenter. But David acknowledges in verse 3. I'm talking about David here. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. I got off to a bad start. And in sin did my mother conceive. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that his mother was a wicked woman. No. But just like we said in Proverbs 21. 
and plowing the wicked is sin. It's not sin because he's plowing. It's good for a man to provide for his family. It's good for a man to be part of the solution and not the problem. But the problem is he's wicked. And so everything he does it is contaminated. It is corrupted by that. So long before we're grown. And echoing that in Isaiah 48 verse 8 we read, Yea, thou hurtst not. Yea, thou knewest not. Yea, from that time that thine ear was not opened. God has to open the ear. God has to give sight to the blind. Otherwise, they just don't get it. For I knew that thou wouldst deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. We were talking to a fellow in Memphis. And he said, my wife's expecting. And we knew that he believed that depravity was not a Bible doctrine. And so his idea was that his kids, he's going to keep them away from the bad crowd, and he's going to keep them in church, and they're going to have devotions in their home, and they be good Christian kids. So one of my friends said, so what are you going to teach them a lot? Oh, I'm going to teach them a lot. You know, suppose I would come naturally. Oh, no, not my kids. Yeah, yeah. You want to know an expert about raising kids? Ask somebody's never had it. They always know how to raise a kid. And then when children come along in their life, they usually have enough sense to say, I shouldn't have said that stuff. So like the fellow at Bible school, he heard all of us talking, and I said, fellas, when it comes to marriage, you better admit most of us married up. Myself included. This one guy said, not me. When I get married, she'll be marrying up. And I said, you want to stick to, oh yeah, absolutely. And I noticed when he brought his fiance around, he kind of stayed shy. I thought maybe he was afraid I was going to bring that up to him. Be careful what you say. Because your words have a way of coming back to bite you. Better not to say a thing than to say a thing that later you have to say, what was I thinking when I said that? So the first part of the verse talks about the fact that from the beginning you're wicked. And it doesn't get any better than that. From the time of birth, we spiral out of control. Now I won't take the time to read it. But there's a long passage in Romans 3. We read a little piece of it in Sunday school. But you read from verse 9 through verse 23. The mouth messed up. Their eyes messed up. You just messed up as a sinner. And you say, well, who are you to talk, preacher? I'm one who knows because that's what the black word says. And it's true about me just like you. Feet quick to shed innocent blood. We are naughty. We are sinners. We are stinkers. He's a jolly good fellow. Well, maybe an ambition, but not an execution. No. Remember what it says, going back to Genesis? People say, back in the early days, it must have been so wonderful. And I'm not sure what they're talking about when they say that. But I know what God says. He had this fellow named Noah. 
Noah means dove. The bird is supposed to make us think about peace. There was no peace in the world in Noah's day. Chapter 6 of Genesis and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. There wasn't any bitty. It was great already back then. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That doesn't say they were always saying evil. Doesn't say they're always doing evil. But what's going on on the inside? There's a part of you, there's a part of me. If I understand my Bible correctly, contrary to God, rebel against God. You know, the part of you that would rather not be here, rather have you be anywhere else, doing anything else, but concentrating on the Scripture. That's not the new man. That's the old man. And God tells us, by way of Moses, that in the days of Noah, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There's a great gospel passage in the Prince of Prophets, Isaiah 53. I'll tell you what, you want to preach the gospel from the Old Testament. That's where I'd start. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 gives us the bad news and it ends with the good news. All we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep don't want the straight and narrow. They need to have somebody to follow. They need to have somebody to watch them and whack them when they mess up. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. One might pursue, satisfy their desire because they're greedy. Someone else, their lust for other forms of wickedness. Lust is lust. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. And for the one person to say, well, I don't indulge in that. Oh, but you're still a sin. You're still a sin. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's not a you people thing. It's all of us. Earlier in Isaiah, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. If I should drop dead, he'd say, we got to get us a preacher. Well, let's get one that doesn't sin. Unless it's the Lord himself. Well, let's get one that's never had a bad thought. Keep looking. Now, you can probably find one that's never been in prison. Do a time I'm talking about. Some people, oh, you did that? Oh, you did that? Paul talks about that to the Corinthians. He says, you know, you've got these kind of people. That can, and those are the ones, but I'm not talking about you because you've been washed. The Lord has made it right. We've been made clean in His sight. In Christ, there's no sin to Steve Reynolds. In Christ, there's no sin to any one of you who's truly born you. In Christ. That's why we talked about sin this morning in Sunday school. 
You know, there are some people, well, up to the time you're saved, that's quite clean. But from now on, buddy, you better walk the straight and narrow or you're going to lose it. You could wind up in hell. Because uh, he only saved you for your past sins. That's not what the scripture says. In God's sight, his precious people already glorified in his sight. Do we act like we're glorified? Sometimes not so much. But we go in a myriad of directions. All messed up. Going this way. Going that way. It's not going the right way. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 25 says, For ye are sheep going astray. Just like we read in Isaiah 53. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Like a lost sheep. In, uh, was this all 11973 we learned in BBS? There's a lot of great stuff in Psalm 119. I am tempted to bend my rule when we get there. But, uh, Lord, read my help. I'll try to hit some highlights because this is a long song. It takes about 23 minutes just to read it out loud. But there's one verse I want you to look at real quick. You know, only the book of the Psalms has 150 divisions. And of those, the 119th is the longest. 176 verses. You guys know, are more verses in Psalm 119 than some books in the New Testament. The last verse. How does he end up this great psalm? Psalm 119, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but at least in your mind, at least in your heart, you have strayed. I have strayed. If you think, nope, 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 haven't sinned. Haven't sinned since 1962 or whatever date you pick. Uh, yeah, you have. You just haven't been keeping good track the last 50 years or so. The reality is, we sin by what we do, by what we don't do. Omission, commission. We sin with wrong attitudes. We sin with decisions that are the opposite of what God says in His Word. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Win, lose, or draw. God's Word is down. Forever, Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. You can ignore it. You can deny it. But you're not going to erase it. It's there. It's set. But like a lost sheep. And what does that mean? Let's go back to Ephesians. Chapter 2. He wrote to those people and says, You are dead. And trespasses and sins. So that knocks us off. That just cuts off our water, doesn't it? What else does he say? Look at verse 3 of chapter 2. He talks about the children of disobedience at the end of verse 2. And that's just like us on the outside until the Lord saves. And we even still have that flesh within us. Among whom also we all had our conversation. The word conversation there doesn't mean the way we talk, it's the way we walk. 
in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You get, an you get a John Dillinger out here. You get Bonnie and Clyde out here. You get Adolf Hitler out there. What's in between their mind, their heart, and that of you before the Lord saved you? Basically, nothing. You might say, well, I wouldn't do that. Really? I bet their mamas told them, you're mother angel. You're mother sweetheart. You can do no wrong. Well, they can and they do, whether we like it or not. Fulfilling the desire of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. And then later in this same book, chapter 4, and verse 19, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness, with greediness. The longer they go in their sin, all uncleanness. And Christ even illustrated this in the parables. I'll just cite one for you. In Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. How think you if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek if that which is gone astray? <coughs> Why would he do that? He's got ninety-nine in the hole. What's one sheep? To the Lord, one sheep is important. Does the Lord care for you as His child? Absolutely. How, how much does He love you? How much does He love me? Never forget Calvary. Christ died for us. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And if so be that He find it, verily He rejoices. More of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went not astray. When someone tells me, I believe the Lord has saved me. Woo! That's great. Somebody, I got a new car. That's nice. I got a new boat. Terrific. Got a new house. Thank the Lord. But when the Lord has saved you, there's nothing to compare with that. The child has come home. Yeah. Even so, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You know why it is that God's child is so important? He is invested. He has loved from before the foundation of the world. He has your name written upon the palms of his hands. He careth for you. He careth for me. Well, I know I care for me, but I'm a, I'm a real class actor. No, no. In spite of your pride, in spite of your vanity, in spite of all your hero badges and everything else you think, say, that's good about me. No wonder Isaiah says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Stinking stuff. I'm not proud of that. that. That's the best we can do. Hmm. 
So we return to the song to close because all of these with the natural mind, they will come to a terrible end. And it's true for you. If you're a sinner and you don't know Jesus Christ or the free part of your sins, this is your future without Christ. Verses 6 through 11. Let's read this to close. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bends his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cunning pieces. Well, I think I... I can handle this. That's fool's concept. As a snail which melted, let every one of them pass away, like the untimely birth of a woman, that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away, as with a whirlwind. I saw a film being advertised. Some people, they were living in a little place, and they thought, hey, this is wonderful. We have, we have the closest thing to heaven right here. Ten minutes later, everything they own was blown away. It can happen. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So the man shall say, Verily, which means truly there's a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. Nobody gets away with anything. You know that? Now, if you're a child of God and you do naughty stuff, I believe God will punish you in this life. And if you see somebody else and they get away with all kinds of skullduggery and stinking stuff, you say, how do they get away with it? Judgment. Judgment. God will bring all to light. Let's stand.